along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Sid McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about what does a financial advisor actually do and how should I work with them? Now, I think this is really important because as well as talking about property, which we do all day, every day on the show, we also like to talk about more broad financial ideas and concepts. And one of the ones that came up recently from a list of the show is how do I actually work with a financial advisor? Look, there are different types of advisors and they tend to specialise in different areas. So yep, mortgage advisors, they're financial advisors. So like Catalyst, Squirrel, Loan Market, NZ Home Loans, they're all financial advisors specialising in mortgages. Then you've got financial advisors who specialise in budgeting, people like Enable Me. Then you've got Financial advisors who specialise in investments. So people like Milford, Craig's Investment Partners, Fisher Funds, NZ Funds. You've got financial advisors who specialise in property investment. That's us. And then also insurance advisors who are also financial advisors. So that might be Axico or Apex. Now look, for the purposes of today's show, we're really going to dig into investment advisors, property investment advisors, and budgeting advisors. Now, Andrew, you've been one of these for a long time. Yeah. What is a financial advisor? that actually do? And it has changed over the last wee while in terms of what you can and can't do. But a financial advisor at its core will work with you to figure out what you want to achieve in your personal life in monetary terms. So then they're going to look at, are you on track based on what you're currently doing? And then what you need to change. So either change your goals because you're being too ambitious and, and therefore you're never going to hit it. Or more commonly, change your assets. So buying more property, investing more in shares, whatever, to get you to those ambitious goals. And it's about helping you achieve your personal, not business, financial goals, often through investment. And one of the things I really want to dig into is what sort of problems can a financial advisor help me solve? So look, your classic one is retirement planning. Most financial advisors and investment advisors will talk about your future. Because everyone needs it, right? If you plan to live longer than 65, you need to plan for your retirement. The other one is to grow your wealth or more generically plan for future events. So that might be to pay for renovations or travel costs or school costs, something like that. But also a financial advisor can really help you out to give you some advice on what should you do if your financial situation has changed. So things like, what if you've received an inheritance? What should I do with that? What if I'm recently divorced? How do I get back on the property ladder? What if I've got a new job and I'm able to save more? God help me if this was the case for me. Got a baby on the way or thinking about starting a family? No, we've had the office baby now, mate. Well, hey, I'm not going anywhere near that. I'd have to see a financial advisor, <laughs> see, if, see what I need to do with my financial situation. Or similarly, if you're feeling like you should be getting ahead, but you don't really feel like you actually are. These are the sort of things that you should be talking to a financial advisor about. And I want to give you these because it is important to be like, well, what can you actually help me with? Any of those sorts of things. But how does a financial advisor get paid, Andrew? Let's dig into this. This is important. Well, there are two ways. And it's really important when you use a financial advisor that you understand this, or if you don't, you ask them. Because I think it's really important to understand what the bias is and how you manage those biases. So there's two ways. Either a company or financial advisor gets paid a commission from the product provider when they recommend an investment product you take. And that's probably the same with funds or property or if you take out a mortgage. 
mortgage. Now, we need to define what a product provider is because Vanessa, our compliance manager, okay. put that in there. Okay. So things like a fund is a managed fund. So I take out a managed fund and then the fund manager pays me a commission for placing that if I'm introducing it. Okay, okay. So I come and see you. Yep. You're my investment advisor now. Yep. And you've got some funds that I could potentially invest in. Yep. You recommend one of them. Yep. And if I decide to invest in that fund... I'll get a commission. You'll get a commission. Okay, yep. okay. Same but I don't pay you. No, but same as taking out a mortgage. So if I introduce your mortgage to the BNZ Bank and you draw down that loan, then I get paid a little bit from the bank for doing that work. But then I don't pay you. Same. Same with a, a property. So whenever we're giving advice on, hey, this is a good development and a good developer, we're going to charge the developer for your selection of that property. Yeah, okay. And there are also people that charge a fee directly. So this is more common if you're not investing or not taking out a product like an insurance policy or a mortgage. It's just advice. So a great example of that is budgeting. So Enable Me will charge you a fee for telling you what you need to do to then get ahead or for asking for specific financial problems. So should I sell this property and buy another one? So for example, we have a fee-based service where we'll analyse your property portfolio and say, well, if you sell that one and buy this one, this is what it works out to be. Now, in this case, it's often charged by the hour. So Enable Me tends to be somewhere between three and $12,000 if it's a really complex financial situation. Others that I've seen are around $350 plus GST an hour. Now, the next question is, well, how do you work with a financial advisor and what do you actually get from them? And I think it's really important to understand what sort of financial advice does whoever you're talking to give. So I'll give you an example. At Opus, we do property. We don't do shares. We don't do anything else. We don't help you invest in a fund. No, 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 no. We do property. That's what we do. Other people, like NZ Funds, for instance, what do they do? Hey, it's in the name. They do managed funds. They don't do property. They don't do anything else. So choosing a person to talk to, a financial advisor who specializes in whatever you happen to want to invest in, is probably a really good idea. Now, what are they going to do? Look, they're going to collect some financial information off you, but more than anything, they're going to give you a recommendation. They're going to tell you what you need to invest in to achieve your goals, and they're going to match your goals with what you need to actually do. Now, what's important to say is you're probably not going to get written a customised 20-page Word document specifically written for you, you know, all typed out nicely. Most financial advisors are not going to do that. In fact, because of the compliance, often it's all templated. It's got nothing to do with you. It's more to do with the fact that we're all regulated by the Financial Markets Authority, the FMA, and we need to template it for compliance reasons. But it's actually a benefit because if you come to us, just as an example, because it's what I know, We've got our software, you put your details in, it spits out a five-page report about what you need to be investing in, how far away you are from your goals, all of that kind of good stuff. Now, if you go to most other financial advisors, it'll be the same thing. You'll get an understanding of where are you, where do you need to go, what do you need to do, what should you be investing in, and then you can go away. Now, if you want a personalised, written, financial plan, typed out, kind of written from scratch, that's where you're going to be paying by the hour. Because anybody who's doing it more on the recommending specific products, because of the regulation, it'll be quite templated. After that, your financial advisor will help you implement that plan. So purchasing the, the products that they've recommended. And then, you'll, of course, you'll always review regularly. Now, Andrew, what's the point of using a financial advisor, though? And do I need to invest with someone who's got a lot of assets themselves? Well, look, the first point is 
you get someone who can actually run the numbers for you. So whether it's shares and you need to work out, okay, based on X percent return and based on my contributions of X amount per week, I'm going to get to this result. Point number two is accountability. So you've got someone actually to help you start investing, but also continue investing. And I think that's a really important part of having reviews with your financial advisor, because it's really easy to kind of get fizzed up about the financial future and then start your plan, but not finish it. Point three is to kind of get access to financial products. So some people think of financial advisors are just going to take your money and invest it for you, but it's more about deciding together how to match you to your investments and your goals and figuring out whether or not you're actually investing enough. So there's plenty of investors that I've worked with that have these really ambitious goals, but they're not prepared to make a contribution. And your financial advisor, if they're doing their job, will say to you, you know what? you're off your head, you need to commit more or you're just not going to get there. So something's got to give. Part of it is also figuring out what your appetite is for risk. So it's all well and good for us to be very passionate about property. We are, we make no secret of that. But if the idea of vacancy scares you and keeps you awake at night, then that's not the right investment for you. So that's what a financial advisor can help you decide. And then Look at getting a mix of investments so that you're diversifying so that, you know, if something's outperforming the other, you've got some diversification there. And uh, your question about whether or not someone has to have lots of assets themselves, my answer is probably no, but it helps. You need someone who's got more experience than you, absolutely, otherwise why would you listen to them? And I guess in some ways if someone is in a position that you want to be in, then their advice counts because they're walking the walk. But there are plenty of people out there who maybe don't have that many assets now because you know they've gone through a rough patch of divorce or something like that but they've got the knowledge or you know they're starting out but they've spent a lot of time learning about things then it's more the fact that they know what the outcome is than than you do but you know I, I like someone that's in a good strong position yeah but at the same time I might go and use a disputes lawyer somebody who can help resolve some of my disputes. Now that's great. I can use somebody who's got experience working with their clients. I don't need a lawyer who's gone through a lot of disputes themselves necessarily. So as long as you've got the experience reviewing that. And you know what? I'll give you a really cliche analogy. Some of you might know, I've recently started going to the gym. (laughs) Some of you might not recognise that and appreciate it. (laughs) No, I say it. Somebody actually messaged it to the Oprah's Instagram saying, Ed, it looks like you're out of shape. No, I've just put on weight because I've been going to the gym. Anyway, now I could Google or YouTube how to look better, how to go to the gym, that kind of thing, how to do weights. I tell you what, if I did that on my own, I wouldn't have done anything. (laughs) But the fact that my good friend Andrew Nickel started going to the gym and using a personal trainer and started getting much better looking. (laughs) Thank you. Then made me jealous and think, you know what, I'm going to go and use his personal trainer too. Now, my point here is that it it does relate back to financial services, (laughs) is sometimes you can have the ability to Google it. But you know what? Unless you actually go get it tailored for you, and what you want to achieve and actually run the numbers and actually do something with it. You know, sometimes it doesn't actually happen. And I know, I absolutely know if I didn't have a PT forcing me to go to the gym straight after this podcast, I might not go tonight, but I'm going to go and I'm going to do what I need to do because having somebody else to hold you accountable is very, very powerful. So uh, let me ask Andrew, how does somebody become a financial advisor? 
Firstly, you've got to become qualified, and there's a lot of criteria around that. So you've got to do your level five. You've got to be on the FSPR and belong to a disputes resolution. So I'm, I'm not going to go into that. But then if someone's not on the financial services register, then they cannot give you personalized financial advice. And I'm on the register, for example, so I can tell you what to do. Ed, not on the register, can't tell you what to do. And it's funny, sometimes at the Property Investors Associations, people come up to me and start you know, asking questions about their personal situation. Now, obviously, I cannot tell you what you should do with your situation, where you could talk generally and say, these are some of the things you need to think about and, hey, I can hook you up with Andrew in order to have, or one of our other property partners, to have these discussions. But certainly, you know, th- there is a bit of a difference there. But I think that leads to a really good question, which is what can a financial advisor do that other people can't? And I'm talking about maybe your friends, maybe your family. Look, a financial advisor can legally tell you to buy or sell a specific asset. And they can write you an investment plan about what you're going to buy, what you're going to sell, and they can match an asset to your goals. But look, in terms of property, anybody can sell you a property, a real estate agent, somebody working for a developer. But as soon as it's matched to your goals, it becomes financial advice. And the reason I bring that up is there are actually some developers out there who are starting to talk a lot about retirement, talking a lot about how to match properties to your personal financial situation. And look, maybe it means something to you, maybe it doesn't, but legally they're not allowed to do that because they don't have the experience and they don't have the qualifications to be able to legally do that. And I think before you engage with a financial advisor or someone that's giving you advice on an investment, you should definitely start with a Google search. And look, there's a big name developer in Auckland, Deval, and I I noticed the other day that one of their property investment advisors has got a bit of a checkered pass. They've got some history there. Stole some money from a bank. Stole some money from a bank. $89,000. And I actually messaged Kenyon about this to see whether or not it was him because it's just not a good look. I think that, you know, if you're giving property investment advice or property advice, you probably should be a financial advisor and you probably should have a pretty clean pass. And I know that people make mistakes and can correct those mistakes, but it's worth kind of at least digging into that. You need to find out whether or not someone's got a disclosure statement. So if they're giving financial advice, they have to provide this to you. And part of that will say exactly how they get paid. So for example, if you deal with one of our property partners, for example, it'll tell you exactly what the company gets paid if you buy a particular property that we've recommended and exactly what the property partner gets paid, if anything. In exact dollar terms. In exact dollar terms. And look, there's some other compliance stuff. There's privacy statements. Look, I'm not going to bore you with that, even though <laughs> our compliance manager wrote it down for us. But I think the big thing, do look out for that disclosure statement. One of the things that I always look out for on a financial advisor's website, whether it's a mortgage broker or anything else, is look at their publicly available disclosure statement just to see, well, which other companies are they working with? Like, if it's an insurance company or an insurance advisor, which insurance companies do they recommend? If it's a mortgage advisor, which bank? are they working with? That all legally needs to be publicly available under something like disclosure or information for our clients, something like that. And I think it's really important if you are taking particularly property advice, because that's you know our game, if you're buying from a developer and they're saying it's a good investment, well, are they financial advisors and they, can they make that decision for you? Or if they're not, then you got to take that with a grain of salt. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to work with a financial advisor from our team in order to put a plan together, easy way to sign up for that, text the word PLAN to 5522. I tell you what, we'll give you a buzz, see if it's the right fit. Thanks 
for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Heber Guide. And we're going to be back again tomorrow for even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most confusing the property market. Until next time.